0: How does Flo start it again?
1: Hello, and welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify.
0: So <laughs> do my best Florence impression. That was really good, Jesse. Hi, everyone. It's Dad here. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. No, it's not Flo Log Hughes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But please stay, because Becky and Jesse are here. It's, it's Ryan Hunn, guesting for Flo as she jet sets off to Australia with half of women's football Twitter <laughs> tracking her flight.
2: I actually didn't. I actually didn't take her <laughs> flight details like I did Jesse, but that's because I'm already here, so it's not quite as exciting.
0: Ouch. Is that because you don't care, Becky?
2: Is that no, it's I like when Jesse was going, it was exciting. For one, no one else was there yet. Two, Taipei airport content. So sorry, Flo, I do care about you and hope you have a safe flight, but I'm not tracking it.
0: Just for those who don't know, that's a... Uh, Taylor Gill and Jesse Parker Humphreys. The professionals, very much to this amateur sat in the chair for Florence. Hope, hope you're having a safe trip, Florence, and that this <laughs> is all good when you listen to it. How are you both? How's, how's, how's stuff going? I was going to say in the upside down, but that's a bit strange well, things.
2: It, we are it, upside it down. Got scary hours for England. But down. No, because we're on the bottom side. Wait, is, is that how it works?
0: Very technical. <laughs> how are you both anyway? Just answer that question. Let's do this. Brian, let me tell you,
2: <laughs> Melbourne has rocked my world has it i'm great i'm feeling incredible i'm on top of the world ironically
0: (laughs) are you coming back
2: um my mum said i'm not allowed to move to melbourne so i have to come back so it's a
0: long way how are you jesse
2: i'm good yeah becky did text
1: me earlier and say i feel like a big baby yeah Um, so i'm glad (laughs) that becky is feeling better because that was my main concern to be honest but I concur. Melbourne is much better than Brisbane and I regret not getting here sooner, but I'm loving life. Uh, two days off as well, which feels very sweet right now.
2: I would love to tell you also about the walk to the ground. I think it's my favourite walk to a football ground that I've ever done. I kept stopping and being like,
0: it was, it was so beautiful. nice.
2: I kept stopping and being like, guys, I took like a hundred pictures. It was amazing.
0: I want to hear about this lovely walk. Uh, to the stadium. So maybe we should get into that and the the game itself. Columbia, Jamaica, after this little ad break. All right, gang. So tell me about this walk before we talk about the game. Oh, what was the walk like?
2: Along the river. Sunset. You see the MCG in the distance, which is obviously like, as someone that loves cricket, just Wow. And it's huge and amazing. And then you just walk all through their like Olympic park and you get to a wonderful ground. Also, I loved the football stadium. And it was just possibly the best. And I know everybody says that Craven Cottage, watched Craven Cottage is the best. It's not, I'm telling you now. Move aside, it's Melbourne.
0: Was this the stadium that is officially known for the tournament as the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium?
2: (laughs) But I did enjoy that Lewis
1: Ambrose on Twitter referred to it as the Croissant Stadium. I don't know if this is like a general thing, like, or if that is Lewis's thing, but oh my God, yeah, it looks like croissant the rectangular croissant stadium i was (laughs) so there with it but my main disappointment was that everyone's been raving about this ground because seagulls come and interrupt every match and ryan i know you are actually familiar with the south coast of england as well but as someone who lives on the south coast i thought the seagull show was poor i feel like this must be something that I don't know if it's been better other <laughs> nights. I do know that uh, apparently after America went out, they like scavenged the fuck out of all of the discarded chips. And Did you not like see when the, um,
2: but tonight, when the goal went in and everybody cheered, they all like freaked out and flew like off the side? But I
1: was expecting them on the pitch.
2: Like that would be the level that I was
1: looking for. Mm. Sorry, I was just going to pause. Can you hear the sirens?
0: The police were coming for your take. That's what (laughs) usually happens when Moose and I record Stadio. There's always a siren on Moose's side. Should we talk about the game? So, Colombia going through, being Jamaica 1-0. I was quite impressed with Colombia, especially in the second half. But what were your takeaways, the pair of you, from being at the game?
1: I'm going to start by saying I love Colombia and I love this team. Mm. I think they're so much fun. The fans have been the best fans I've experienced here, I think aside from Australia and Brazil, um, but the atmosphere tonight I thought was amazing. Um, I will say I don't think I felt Colombia imposed themselves on this game as much as I wanted them to. Uh, but I also understand why they didn't. I think they've been like kind of strangely elevated in this tournament all of a sudden. It's easy to forget this is the first final they've ever made. They weren't even at the 2019 World Cup. And obviously topping a group which did have previously germany in and then facing jamaica who i think have had much more public struggles with their federation for example kind of made Colombia mm-hmm. feel like favorites and then i think as a result i kind of bought into that narrative and felt like their performance was a bit more nervous a bit more dark artsy in a way that actually when you take a step back you're like yeah well why wouldn't it be uh they wanted to like get to the quarterfinals and they did and they had some great moments and I thought Linda Caicedo in particular tonight was really really impressive but they're a very fun team and I'm happy to to see them to see them get this far and I think it's important to recognize that it's the first time that they've they've managed to do that even if it is in the context of Jamaica who a team I know lots of people have got behind uh, going out
2: I think it's really interesting Like what you said about expectations being higher for them, having beaten Germany, because obviously now people are looking at them and being like, what are you going to do? I think that was really obvious with Linda Caicedo, not from how she was playing, but I don't know if you felt this, but you know in the Incredibles, where Mr. Incredibles says to that kid, like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. Like, that's how I felt, the crowd felt every time she got the ball. Like, she, she took a, she had the ball on the edge of the area and everyone around me was like, oh, like, what's she gonna do? Like, what's gonna happen? You could feel it. Linda, literally. Linda, Linda, um, Linda. Which was, re- it was really fun. It was a really fun atmosphere, but it does add pressure to them in a way that like, they might not be used to.
0: Yeah, I think what my kind of takeaway from it was I think that expectation did lead into a slight sense of disappointment maybe in the first half, but I felt like... I think the scoreline was pretty fair. I don't think they blew Jamaica away by any means. But I felt like in the moments where you would expect the side chasing the game to really take the initiative, let's say, it felt like the opposite. It felt like towards in the late stages of the game, for example, if you're looking at the the kind of balance or the territorial possession threat, that kind of like, you know, what's the, uh, what's the tilt game? T- was it pitch tilt? Whatever Field it is, the, 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 the nerdy analytic thing. It was more, it seemed to be that Colombia were the side that were pressing for that second. Whereas actually you would have expected or or hoped in a, that Jamaica would have been the side pushing for it more. And maybe they f- it felt like they could have had a second. There were a couple of those breakaways towards the end of the second half where you expected obviously Jamaica were chasing the game at that stage, but I think it would have been a little harsh on Jamaica if it had been two or three. The game did seem, or the pitch did seem to kind of open up for them at various points where they could have taken more of an advantage.
1: Yeah, and actually I think this was a frustration that I felt about Jamaica is that they pushed forward, but I thought they pushed forward in quite a strange way. Um, They really chose to use Bunny on the flanks and I don't know whether they felt that that was just where she could really find some space and that they wanted to use her her quality and you know the the Drew Spence chance which is Jamaica's best chance of the game comes from Bunny crossing in and, and Drew being able to get her head on it but Becky and I were actually talking after the game about the like bizarre moment in the 93rd minute where they, Jamaica had a corner and Becky Spencer was arguing. you know, goalkeeper Becky Spencer was arguing with the management and the coaches saying, I want to go up and get in the area. And they were saying like, no, no, stay back. And we were just like, this is crazy. Like you've got 90 seconds to stay in the World Cup. Of course, you know, if your goalkeeper wants to go up, put your goalkeeper in the box. And I felt like it really summed up like Jamaica's approach after going behind that I kind of got wanting to stay in the game up to like 70, 75, even 80 minutes but it felt like maybe they would got so used to defending and trying to look for the clean sheet that they were almost perplexed by the fact that they'd gone behind and it didn't feel like they had this solid plan in terms of how they wanted to push forward and go for it and you know it, it it's kind of crazy that we've we've had this world cup where jamaica have had this amazing performance but i actually really think that Bonnie Shaw is someone who's really struggled to actually get in and impose herself on games, and I think you know, sort of the last fifteen minutes of this match really summed up that maybe for all that Jamaica have done well, they've potentially not really been able to harness her talents to to make the most of 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 what they've got up front.
2: I think looking at their group stage matches, like they really got through the group on their like defensive ability. What what did they? Scored one goal, was it? They scored one goal. They the scored one
0: goal. It's yeah. Panama.
2: You Like, you can get through a group stage on defensive ability and you can maybe scrape through a knockout game and take it to penalties. But at some point, that is just going to come back to, like, you need to, and, and with Bunny Shaw, a player who obviously is incredible and we've seen her score so many goals in the WSL, you have to work out a way to, make that happen with her. If you can't do that in two group stage matches, you're going to struggle to do that against better teams. You have to work that out much quicker.
0: Yeah, it felt like, I think, going in nil at halftime for Jamaica, I think was almost ideal, actually, because the more that Colombia would have come out In the second half, I feel like would have played a little bit more into Jamaica's hands and how they could have really, really hurt Colombia. But I think Colombia taking the lead so long, so early, sorry, in the second half, it kind of just meant that the areas that you felt like Bunny Shaw in particular could exploit were kind of gone because Colombia just seemed to manage, like when they would decide to go, for example, which is why I think you saw late in the game those chances. Um, And I also think that just in in the wide areas, I thought Colombia were defensively pretty good. And didn't really there was there were obviously some both sides had chances, but it didn't really feel like Colombia were ever really under the the kosh. And I think that that meant that to me anyway in the second half, that's why I think maybe it kind of played into my takeaway of just being like it felt a little bit it wasn't easy, but it felt at the end kind of not too uncomfortable for Colombia.
1: Well, I think what Colombia did really well in that second half was that they came out and they had obviously been told to start switching play. And that's where the goal came from. And there are a couple of good chances that came from quickly putting the ball out to the opposite side. I mean, lots of the progression was still like looking to go through Myra Ramirez peeling off and, and Linda Caicedo on that uh, left-hand side. But, you know, obviously the goal comes from them like switching across to Usme and she, she takes that goal very well. Um, and I think actually Colombia did struggle without Manuela Vanegas, who's been i think one of their most impressive players at left back missing today through suspension um i think you could see in the first half that even jamaica knew that the threat of that left hand side even with kaysado just wasn't there because they could just double team her um and they weren't really worried about the fullback pushing on and i think by sort of trying to draw jamaica across towards Casado. um Colombia were able to do a lot more in terms of going forward but yeah I think also like it's very well documented Jamaica's sort of struggles with support and you know what they've had to go through to even get to this tournament let alone be playing in the knockout stages um, and I think there was also an element of, of maybe you saw that today as well That ultimately I just felt like some of the quality just wasn't there. And mm. I mean, it's hard because like in some ways I could say at points like watching England yesterday, I felt like the quality wasn't there with England. Um, but I did think, you know, it was very clear, for example, players like Drew Spence and players like Bonnie Shaw who've played at a real high level of professionalism for huge chunks of their careers, versus maybe players who haven't had that same opportunity. Um, and Columbia have really sort of pushed forward in recent years and having like a fully professionalised league. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff around the players who've gone and played in Spain as well. And I think also like is maybe important to acknowledge that potentially those discrepancies in, in support that nations have got was on show in terms of how they were able to like tactically deal with what was required of them in this game.
0: It's worth saying from the Jamaica side as well that maybe bar Panama, who I still think that group was coming out of that group would have been the ultimate goal at the start of the tournament. I think looking at the draw that they got and I feel like you're seeing it with, I mean, you've seen it with all of the round of 16 games so far that maybe bar the France game, France-Morocco game, the margins are just so small, even with discrepancies. And I think that is the, not wanting to go too kind of wide-eyed, but the thing that is is really exciting about the future I think is that you're seeing sides who have kind of achieved stuff that's, it's genuinely incredible without I mean that in the most like unpatronizing of, way possible. the Year award and is
2: rolling in the back it, of your mind as you're saying this.
0: <laughs> no, no, but it's just, we, I mean, it's just because, you know, anyone who has, who pays an out, like a minute of attention to women's football knows what's, like knows the stakes, knows the kind of the backstories a lot of the time, and knows what is it, how it differs to the men's game, at, 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 even at this level now at the moment. And I think that Jamaica, this was such a uh, such a, a really good foundation to build on. And again, I think what what the great thing about the tournament, even the dis- the, the sides that are disappointed go out, is they sent messages at what could be done, even with the kind of level of support that the other teams or the quote, like the more successful teams have had so far. So I feel like they yeah, they were disappointed. They probably could have looked back and been like, yeah, maybe we could have done more in that, in that game against Columbia, but these are good sides. And you know, the margins are just, they just get that much smaller in tournament football. And like you said, Becky, that what works to get out of the group doesn't necessarily work to get through the knockouts, but should we, should we have a little look ahead while we're here talking about Columbia? Cause they, uh, they face England they scared
2: next. They scare me. Am I right to be scared everyone? I think so. I
0: mean, fear is the foundation of fandom, though. It's this-
2: <laughs> especially English fans, I think. I think I live on live on pessimism <laughs> and fear.
0: It's a balance of fear and fun, right? <laughs> I was I was actually fear, I was thinking fun about and it faith. today. There you go. The 3x <laughs> I was thinking about it today fun.
2: because I was like I was telling someone how like that penalty shootout took years off my life. But there was nothing better. And that feeling of when it goes in. And it is just such a, it's a horrible balance. But it, it, the payoff is so good when it does pay off.
0: How are we feeling ahead of, you're, you're scared. Jesse. what about you?
1: Well, I think the vibes are going to be bonkers. I know England fans who maybe had an eye on further down in the tournament were fearing the potential of playing Australia in a semi-final. I think Colombia in a quarter-final will bring the same level of intensity when it comes to biasness in the stadium like the columbia fans were incredible and i think there'll be a lot of aussies thrown in there supporting Colombia columbia too uh, in terms of the actually as a footballing side i think it's interesting um and i'll be very intrigued this is what's so fascinating about tournament football is like the sample size is so small um And I feel like Colombia have been a bit hot and cold. Um, I thought they were fantastic against South Korea. I thought they did well and had some moments of brilliance against Germany. I missed them against Morocco because I was at Germany, South Korea, but by all accounts, they weren't great. And then tonight I thought they were fine against, again, kind of lesser opposition. Equally, you can run through England's games and basically do the same thing. They've had one really good game and they've sort of like got through everything else they've needed to. The thing that I worry about for England is what's really impressed me about Colombia is how they go in to 50-50s. They go in to win and if they think they won't win, they are not afraid <laughs> to make it look like you really fucked them over um that was definitely something i think jamaica struggled with was some of the kind of street smarts in this game there was a lot of rolling over there was a lot of like you know, hands covering the face when they hadn't been touched. Um, And I have to say right now, I respect (laughs) and love that from a team. Like, this isn't me saying it in a negative way. I mean, you have
0: to. You're a Chelsea fan, (laughs) Jesse. So you have
1: to. I was born into this world. That's the way I understand it. That's why I'll be saying Colombia or Sate, no. Um, (laughs) But I think actually that's something England have felt very naive to at points in, in this tournament. I don't think Nigeria played in that way at all actually i think nigeria were a lot better at more using their their bodies to like shield the ball rather than like trying to go in for challenges so much um but that would be my concern for england this feeling of like are this england team up for it in the way the columbia team are because i think the you know the up for it is the phrase i would use to sum up how i felt about columbia and that's why i think they're so enjoyable to watch like they are all going for it and then you just sprinkle a whole chunk of talent throughout this team feels like a very potent combination
2: i agree on the the vibe side of it going back to what you first started on those fans were incredible and had like goosebumps like being in and around them like when they were singing the national anthem it was just like this is crazy I think what that game lacked was just like a spark to really set them alight I think that they were amazing tonight but that they really could step it up another level and I think the game didn't give them too much to like go wild about so I'm really excited to see those fans again I am scared that it's us that have to play against them and also like vibes from us like have to match that for our own team yeah i'm they were amazing and i'm i am excited i'm i'm excited to see them again i think it could be really really fun
0: i think there's a really interesting thing that how england response respond to being kind of shifted off their i don't say axis but you know like just out of their rhythm a little bit i think that's what that was basically the whole i heard the show you you guys did after the england game but that was basically why lauren james did what she did it's something that we've seen Really talented players who aren't getting their own way necessarily in a game do numerous times before, and it will continue forever and ever and ever and I think that columbia will be will be looking at that and especially now that James is suspended, and also think, okay, how can we shift England further off balance because you know stereotypically sides who who engage in that kind of tactical stuff aren't known for being too technical, but what you're seeing at the top level. And I think Colombia are that team. Is that you ha- They have the the players to technically really hurt you as well. So that combination, totally what you said, Jesse. I totally agree with it. That 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 combination is really dangerous when you get into the knockout stages. And England again, I have to be fully, fully on it, which I think they will be. I don't. I think. Th- I don't know. I think I think going to penalties against Nigeria will be a massive wake-up call. I think most teams who go and succeed in tournament football like this, international tournament football. They need a wake-up call at one point. They need a close like a close call. Uh and I'm I think England will go through, but I it, I don't think it's going to be easy by any means at all.
1: No, and I think also what will be interesting though, will be what England have taken from Columbia's games. Um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe what has been overlooked or what I felt has maybe been overlooked in some of the narratives is that England have become kind of such overwhelming favourites even beyond the normal, like... <laughs> Anglophile narrative around these kind of tournaments. You know, I think they are like understandably seen as like, you know, on paper, pretty high favourites for this competition. Um, but that's kind of ignored the the tactical setups that other teams have had against them. Um and I think Haiti did really well in terms of how they played against England. I thought Nigeria did really well and how they played against england but equally i thought england really adapted well to what they thought china were going to do and that was their most convincing performance and i think Colombia will have shown them enough in these games of what they could potentially exploit what would be interesting is whether wiegmann plans for that because if you were to ask me like what kind of England team would I like to see come up in this game like what would I want to exploit I think what Jamaica really got a lot of joy out was basically putting balls into the corridor of uncertainty but that space in between basically Columbia's back line and their goalkeeper and they didn't look great at points and that's why I thought it was a shame that Jamaica didn't really like just sit Bonnie Shaw in that kind of area because it felt like that was where there was to exploit and I do think when people were saying beth england should have come on against nigeria i actually disagreed because i thought england's game plan really suited rousseau and what they were trying to do work with how she wanted to play but i think if you were asking me to pick an england team from scratch against Colombia, someone like beth england who was just going to attack like balls in behind potentially it's kind of basic it's kind of route one but like that would be the way I wanted to go. I just don't think that is what England will do. And that's why it will become interesting to see whether kind of that desire to play the brand of football they want to play wins out on maybe what's the most practical way to actually get one over
2: Columbia.
0: I reckon before producer Becky shows me the time, should we go to a, an ad break and then come back and talk about the other game from today?
2: Are you scared of producer Becky?
0: It's prevention, not cure, right? I don't want to get the uh, the iPhone clock of shame. <laughs> okay, let's talk about France for Morocco nil. Um, probably the on the pitch, let's say the least eventful. There was a lot of talk around this game before because of obviously the, uh, well, I mean, a lot of the games that were taking place at this stage of the competition, obviously with the ongoing situation in France with the hijab ban. If you're unaware of that, there's been a lot of really good writing about that. I'd encourage people to come and find it and read up on that if you're unaware of the situation in France. Morocco, though, made history. Uh, Shireen Ahmed, who actually wrote a great essay on the France hijab ban, wrote a, th- a tweet saying... Morocco's made history by debuting and making the round of 16, being only the second team to do this after Cameroon in 2015. Um, So despite the disappointing scoreline, France, the game was kind of wrapped up after about half an hour. Another really impressive tournament overall from Morocco. Morocco. They'll probably be disappointed with the manner of the defeat, but I don't think many people would have expected Morocco to progress against France at this stage.
1: No, and I think they showed kind of all the vulnerabilities that we saw in the game against Germany, even though that became the catfish game of the group stage. Um, I, I think ultimately Morocco have shown that when teams sit off them, that they have the technical ability to go at those teams and to create chances. But when teams are ready to pile on, that they kind of crumble quite quickly. Um, and it happened against Germany and it happened again today against France. Uh, but yeah, it's very hard, isn't it? Like you don't want to just sit in these round of 16 and be like, oh, but they should be so happy that they got here. And I feel like I've done that a lot. Yeah, But I do think it's still important to to state that and to like go and you know get wins get to get two wins (laughs) um you know against south korea and against Colombia to get to this stage is like a really impressive moment for morocco and kind of regardless i think of what happened from there it will have been an incredible experience for that team and again a team um who are on a journey and in development and really we're just kind of watching the start of the journey. And I think that's, you know, yeah, it's the the debutante aspect. It's, you know, the fact that they reached the Afghan final and, you know, everything that that means. And I, I believe Afghan's being held again, actually, I think in Morocco. So they'll get another run at a home a home tournament there. Um, yeah. It's, it's obviously been an incredible journey for them, but France just looks
2: A level above today I think you've both said it already but it's really hard to toe that line between being like this story is amazing their journey is amazing without feeling like you're being like I don't know patronizing or condescending but like no one would have tipped them to get out of that group at all even to come third in that group so it, it is just incredible that they've done it and it's a disappointing way to go out but I think like once the dust settles for them they'll be able to see like how much bigger it is that they got that far
0: I think it's just a really good continuation of reaching the Afghan final. Like you said, Jesse, I think it's just, it's really easy, I think, especially in modern, you know, with so much football discourse on Twitter, for, for success to just be so binary in terms of like you either win. I mean, you're seeing, you saw it with the fallout of the US defeat, how quickly everyone turned on that side and they didn't get eliminated because of a ball that the goalkeeper saved and went a millimeter over the line that all of a sudden it was because they were just as woke as they were when they won the tournament, you know? And it's how, how a lot of people judge this either kind of like you win the tournament or nah as like success. I think it's it's really important to not lose perspective, not getting too preachy, but on how um, this, this applies for all football. It's something that Moose and I bang on about all the time and bore people with on Stadio, how like if success is purely based on one thing, then <laughs> we're all going to be miserable just all the time. Like, Which actually, you could oh argue that some football fans <laughs> do kind of buy into that. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not supporting my own argument very much here, but what I mean by that, I think if you look at, if you look at the FIFA rankings and you look at the teams who have gone out, that is super encouraging for some of the teams who made it out of those groups, and the manner of the defeat would really really been disappointing for Morocco but I think that overall you know, you say once that disappointment kind of fades they step back from the tournament and they look ahead it's just a continuation of a really good process
1: yeah and I think people also don't want to barrel in and also be like you want to also allow Uh, teams the space to want to win Mm. I think that's like sometimes where uh, you know my kind of like attempt to understand it that's what I'm trying to figure out but actually I also think you know even within this narrative we're talking about Morocco and we've also obviously touched on jamaica and colombia both of whom who have had issues with their federation before but there was also like a lot of joy for france in this game Mm. and i think you know in terms of like the colonial aspect of this match you know again there was a very obvious underdog in football terms there was like a socio-political element to it as well um but you know france is a team have spent a long time under a manager who they very publicly disliked, or a number of them are very publicly disliked um and I also think uh, you know, it was kind of amazing to see a France team in full flow and really enjoying their football too. and I thought that was something that felt really exciting and felt something that we've actually never had you know again, when we're talking about Colombia, you know, making a quarterfinal for the first time, okay. France have have made these these latter stages before um but in terms of France being a challenger on the the women's global stage in the way that they have dominated a lot of you know men's football within recent years um or have been right at the very very top that's just not really existed in the women's game mm. and i think it was also really exciting from that perspective uh to see them being really able able to go for it and have fun and, and find some freedom in, in themselves playing football.
0: Strangest thing about this game was seeing Herve Renard in an actual <laughs> like down jacket and not with an unbuttoned it shirt halfway down, exposing that like smooth chest. Very strange.
2: I feel like when we saw him, it the it was still buttoned quite far down because I did turn to Jesse and say, there he is, my man. Um, <laughs> it is. It was cold this evening, so... I'll let him have it.
0: (laughs) Herbie's worst nightmare, cold weather. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like it.
2: What you said, Jesse, about like seeing them play and enjoying it. And we we spoke about it in our previous episodes. Like France have such talent, but for the past, however many years have just not been able to maybe get past. I mean, the chaos of Diacra and their players and, and that, tension um and now that that has lifted it's like how far can they go um and it's really exciting and i think maybe because of the context of their culture in the past few years i think uh, like i love them and like really would love them to do well but i think there's part of me that always just like writes them off in a way or discounts them because of the culture that has happened in that camp so i don't know like what where could they go? What could they do? I'm excited to find out.
0: It's almost a bit of an unknown, isn't it? Like mm. happy, talented, full, fully fit French squad. Like where, where will they go? Well, the next step will be the hosts, and it'll be a fair old test. What are we thinking about that one? Um, they will play Australia in Brisbane Stadium.
2: It's time to go back and rewatch that match that they played each other just before, and make some grand judgments on it
1: yeah that's come around really quick hasn't it i actually thought that when england played canada and there was a point where it felt like canada were gonna be you know i think on paper canada whatever everyone's potential england round of 16 things i thought oh it's really bizarre they've played each other even behind closed doors so close but france australia to have been played in public and then to get it at the quarterfinal stage, I don't know, you know, but they both topped their group. So you'd have thought they'd have been both backing each other. Maybe that's why they went for it. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think they're definitely the two teams who are really on a high in this tournament right now, like on this side of the draw, I think on, on the other side of the draw, there's obviously a lot of teams who are pre- probably feeling quite good about themselves, Um But it's kind of fascinating. I think when you look at sort of Colombia versus England, where there's a very obvious maybe power disparity and underdog thing, um, France-Australia feels both evenly matched, but both of them are going to come into it feeling like, yeah, we can win this. And to that extent, I wonder if it is the most exciting of the the quarterfinal ties, especially just because it's got the hosts involved. Um, I'd have to lean with France, I think, at this point. They... uh, I feel like it's going to be fascinating. They both play the same system. They both gone for these like 4 four twos. It's going to be a match for the proper football man. You know, if if you're an old dude who's never watched women's football, this <laughs> could be the one for you to tune in for. <laughs> you know, we've got some classic centre forwards potentially in Sam Kerr if she starts, Eugenie Le Samer as well. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting today that France dropped out Lacroix, who been kind of starting in their defense all along it'd be interesting to see if they they stick with that you know playing renard dale maida and perissette along with Karchowi as the back four if, if renards like sort of landed on that because obviously him figuring out stuff kind of on the fly has been part of what's been so fascinating about this france team um but it does really feel like australia are potentially you know tapping into that host nation pipeline which feels very you know. Obviously, as England fans, we know how irresistible that that can get when you really start moving along along that road.
2: I think if Sam Kerr does start, I, d- I just, I don't know, like, because of having missed, like, all of the group stage and only playing a little bit in, like, the last five, ten minutes yesterday, I just think she might just, like, be on some bullshit and just be like, I am... I am doing it and like if she's at that if she's I mean it'll be it's tough to be at your peak when you've not played at all in, in your home World Cup but I just think there's like like a motivation from like deep deep down that if she can tap into that might be the magic that gets them through against France who have been very good. Samka I
1: will say has played against the entirety of that France defense either in the champions league or at home and she at Stamford bridge completely destroyed elise Dalmada. i don't know if people remember the goal but when they played psg it's the one where she like basically dummies her and then smashes it in on her left foot and i think if there was one like set of defenders who sam kerr could be coming up against and like really lick her lips even coming back off injury Wendy Renard and Elise Dalmada next to each other, I think would be a pretty satisfying duo for her.
0: When you put it like that, it's, uh, I don't know, are we expecting goals or are we expecting this to be tight?
2: I would love a goal fest. I'm
0: kind of expecting goals. like,
2: that's just because I want goals, yeah.
0: It feels like we're due like a a three-all, a four-all, or something like a real chaos goals game between two, two, I say heavyweights for the tournament.
2: I would love that, but with a last minute winner in normal time, because then we have to go off to the England game and I don't want to miss any action. So Sam mm-hmm. Kerr, if you okay. can do that for me, okay. that would be perfect.
0: A little bit selfish, you know, what about the rest of us? But that's fine. That's fine.
1: I make no apologies. You would have to tune in for the England game as well, Ryan. So, so just true. because we have to get there, you know.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I'm. I'm just up for... The, the the thing that I'm the thing that I really don't want to happen is that the the chaos kind of dips as the football yeah. gets more serious. Mm. I want there still to be, you know, I still want there to like kind of remember who you are, remember what this is.
2: I mean, England have lived up to the chaos. I would like it to be chaotic everywhere else apart from us. I want what Australia had against Denmark, which was like pretty chill, straightforward <laughs> win.
0: On the other side of the draw, Japan facing Sweden, Spain facing the Netherlands. What are we think about those two?
1: I'm so fascinated by this side of the draw. Um, I really think this draw could, like that side could be the like heartbreaking side, e.g. that I think Japan and Spain have probably played some of the best football, even though obviously I morally object to the Spain national team at this point. <laughs> but from an objective standpoint think they probably played some of the best football along with Japan but i could really see sweden and netherlands both just like really like grinding out results there um japan are are so like the darlings of this world cup and deservedly so because they have been the most tactically complete exciting fun team they've kind of become underdogs because no one was really backing them i've seen some people trying to retroactively back them i'm not (laughs) standing for it like this is not (laughs) a team that people were really talking about because Over the past couple of years, they haven't looked that good and they've they've turned up to the World Cup, you know, in fantastic form and they've shown they can adapt. I just think Sweden have shown, you know, if you beat the US, it feels like, do you take on their power? I don't know. I don't know (laughs) if it works like that, but I just feel like that Lena Hertig penalty, that...
0: Picking up infinity stones through the tournament one by one.
1: No, that broke something in the space-time continuum. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, like be. I mean, <laughs> even if even though USA were like not great in the group stages, that is such a mental battle for Sweden. Like you come away from that being like, who next, bitch? Like, yeah. Come at me. I can beat anyone. It's just I think this side of the draw is really interesting because everybody before the tournament was like the England australia germany france brazil that was like the potential side of the other side of the draw everyone was like god that's horrible actually there is like all of those teams on that side are big teams and i'm glad they have to play each other um but i i just you're right they are japan are the darlings i would love i would love to see them in the final not only because they deserve it football wise but that awake it it deserves if if england can't win the world cup final that kit deserves to win the World Cup final. <laughs> Not Japan, just the kit. The football, yes, as well, but the kit especially.
0: <laughs> I fear a little bit for Sweden. I, I think they've they've obviously got the quality, but I just think in terms of a, the type of opponent that they would have loved to have played after beating the US, I think Japan in the whole tournament is the worst opponent for them, actually. They're just too smart, I think. Like you say, like, no one really bat them. They've just been kind of t- ticking off bits like game by game super impressive it's too close to call I mean I was, I was looking at the draw for the rest of the games I was like who do I actually fancy to win the tournament and it changes every time I go back and look at it that sounds like such a fence sitting thing that I'm known like famed for on <laughs> Sadio but it really does like when I first looked at it I was like it's going to be France beating the Netherlands in the final I was like you know went full Harry Redknapp well, there ain't no doubt in my mind about that and then I looked at it again I was just like actually it could be like England, Japan, Japan, and like, do you know what I mean? And actually, I've I'm arguing with myself. I you think Japan, J- Japan England, England for the I final? That
2: be, I, I mean, th- that terrifies me because they've been amazing. But what I would love to see is Japan, Spain in the semi-final, I would, and just for them to do it again, just exactly, just tear them apart.
1: No, I need the Netherlands to knock Spain out because that would worry me. I feel like mm. when teams play each other again, it never goes the way of the team, even if they did really well first time. I need Jill Roar to really (laughs) be on her bullshit, and I know she will be against Spain. (laughs) She's always on her (laughs) bullshit. Because Spain have been such a weird team to watch. As I say, like, they've actually been a team, like, if you take a step back and strip all the kind of stuff we sort of know about the team i can i find them sort of fascinating in some ways in terms of how jorge wilder has been trying to set them up what well, he switched around you know that real like mix of styles that you always get with spain the sort of barcelona influences versus the madrid influences um i just think it's ultimately despite all that would be so frustrating to see them really exceed in this competition um and i think it'll be re- really interesting to see how the, the netherlands set up against them because andreas Dronker is a manager who's not really been talked about that much you know there's been a lot of focus on uh because he's
2: so sexy sexy okay um, i thought you were gonna say something footballing and i was like oh sexy <laughs> but you were, you, no, you were sexy. On, on the same page like, we're, we're on, on sp- the same t- page don't worry tactically
0: he's just really fucking sexy tactically
1: yeah andre's Jonker looks more like a 60 year old lesbian so i feel like hasn't <laughs> captured the hearts of minds so much but like if you're talking about pedigree i feel like you've kind of got to put Yonka up with renard like if renard doesn't beat argentina at the world cup i don't think anyone's like as switched on to who he is and Jonker's louis van hels like assistant and again, if you're talking about, kind of Ryan talking about Japan just being like smoothly going through every challenge and like not really making a big fuss, just dealing with what's in front of them, kind of feel like the Netherlands have a bit of an argument to have done exactly the same thing.
0: Former Arsenal Academy manager as well, Andres Janka, for all the gooners. Because like I feel like as an Arsenal, speaking as an Arsenal fan, all Arsenal fans need some... <laughs> something in international football you know it was like usually it was granite jacker playing for switzerland at some point uh so yeah there you go get behind the netherlands
1: you've got victoria pilova in that squad
0: <laughs> yeah i know but you know the men the arsenal men like kind of you know yes. And for, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say like for Jill Rod as well, but I think like Jill Rod's dangerously straying into like potential like sesc Fabregas territory for the men's side <laughs> where they're like, you've got the half of the fan base are like, I love Jill Roard. And yeah. half of them are just like, you know, the, the kind of like the cat screaming woman. <laughs> That's kind of like the Arsenal fan base on yeah. Jill Rod, I think. I agree. Okay. So one team, I'm going to put you on the spot and, um, producer Becky, you can decide whether it stays in or not. Who's going to win the tournament?
2: I just I um, I have need a I'm going to have to say England just, I'm just gonna a name. have to. Jesse. I was going to say
1: England too. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Oh heart. no. Yes. <laughs> it's coming home baby. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I want
2: it so, so bad. This
0: is essentially a a fan podcast. <laughs> this is despicable. We never
2: claimed not to be.
0: Because I, I get to bounce out of here and never be invited back. I'm going to say, I'm going to change my mind again. I'm going to say the Netherlands. Why not? because they won't win it and (laughs) i love being wrong
1: my drunker prop my drunker prop swayed you i love that
0: (laughs) (laughs) you sold me on you sold me on andreas i was like there you go um i'm kidding i think it's gonna be oh Oh
2: my god just make a decision ryan just say england ryan
0: no leave me alone you're not the boss of me and on that note (laughs) thanks for letting me step in for florence and um i hope you all enjoy the rest of the tournament i've been Loving the podcasts. Thanks. They've kept us going on our little stadio hiatus this summer, so thanks very much. And um, this was an absolute pleasure and an honour. Thanks for having me.
2: Aww. Thanks for stepping in.
0: I don't know. How How does Flo usually sign off again? Does, she, uh, does Flo have a catchphrase? <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> she no, should but have I would love for you
0: she to say, <laughs>
1: okay, Ryan, what if Flo was going to have a catchphrase to sign off Counterpress? <laughs> I would like you to sign off Counterpressed. With what you think that would be.
0: I don't know. If Flo would have a catchphrase. What's Flo's... What's the... St- I don't know what kind of stuff Flo says Does the She used to
2: channel the vibe. She's like lesbian dad. Can you find that within yourself?
0: Uh, do you know what? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that kind of responsibility. Okay. So maybe... Why don't you put it out as a counterpressed question? Okay. Tweet... What's the Twitter? At... Tweet underscore, underscore counter-pressed. counterpressed. What should Flo's sign off catchphrase B.
1: she's gonna be so pissed when she gets off the plane in Australia <laughs>
2: and finds out she has to sign off every episode with a new catchphrase Listen,
0: she won't be listening to this far into the podcast that she's not hosting <laughs> so we'll just it will she'll see all the tweets coming through and she'll be like what in the hell happened when I was out so anyway there you go there's a little bit well, of mischief so thanks for having me I can't me. wait yeah me neither I can't wait thanks for having me uh, have a great rest of the tournament and uh, thanks everyone listening Florence will be back with you as will counterpressed on Friday So make sure you tune in then, I will be, and uh, until then, much love, see you later, bye.